Is this up enough? Can you hear me okay? Okay. This afternoon we will have the um, second in the guided meditations on the theme of compassion, karuna. And Sally probably explained what we mean by this yesterday, uh, but I just want to mention that it's the natural movement of the heart of loving kindness when it looks upon suffering. So it's not very different. I don't think of it as very different from metta, but it's metta when it looks on a difficult situation. One year I was doing a six-week retreat and I decided to do 10 days intensive practice on each of the four Brahmaviharas. So I did 10 days of metta, 10 on compassion, 10 on joy, and 10 on equanimity. And I find them all really illuminating. You know, as you probably know, the Brahmaviharas are not just concentration practices, they're also insight practices. So we learn a lot from doing them. One of the things I learned from doing compassion is how hard it was for me. And the reason the compassion practice was difficult, it wasn't difficult to feel it, it was difficult to be in touch with suffering 18 hours a day. Because in the compassion practice, we bring people to mind and look on the difficulty in their life, in that, the suffering in that being's life. And that connection to suffering is not an easy thing, I think, for us as people. There are so many ways in daily life that we don't open to suffering. Freud said that um, neurosis is the refusal to suffer. We can sort of see that, right? When we can't open to our own suffering, we find ways to compensate through neurotic behavior. But the difficulty we have opening to our own suffering is the same difficulty we have open to opening to others' suffering because it reminds us of our own So when we meet suffering in the world or in ourselves, we have a lot of different defenses against it. We avoid touching it. We deny that it's taking place. We rationalize it and explain to ourselves all the reasons why it's happening. We find ways to defend with escapes, um, whether it's television, alcohol, drugs, sex, whatever. We blame the person for their own suffering. We justify it to ourselves, why they might be suffering or we might be suffering, or we try to fix it. I don't know if you've ever found a friend, every time you try to just unburden your heart a little bit and talk about your problems, what they really want to do is make it go away by fixing you. So this is another way of avoiding just feeling the impact of suffering. The beautiful thing about the compassion practice is that it lets us make a direct relationship with suffering and not be unnerved by it. We come to be comfortable in being with the truth of suffering in our own life or someone else's. And this is the first noble truth. There is suffering in life and this is the way that we learn how to relate to it skillfully there are unskillful ways of relating to suffering, generally expressed as the near and far enemies, which I think Sally talked about yesterday. 
Sometimes the near enemy is described as pity. This is not piti, the Pali word rapture. This is pity, looking down. It's kind of like looking down on. Pity is not quite compassion because it kind of comes from a superior attitude. It's like, oh, I'm so sorry you have this problem, but I don't have this problem. And that's a way of taking ourselves out of the equation. There's a condescending attitude in pity, whereas compassion says we're all in the same boat. This could be happening to me also. And then the other form the near enemy takes is overwhelm by suffering. And this is possible for all of us at any time. We may be overwhelmed by our own suffering. We may be overwhelmed by the suffering in the world. There is enough suffering in the world that it can overwhelm any of us if we want it to. If we open and bring to mind the extent of suffering in this world, any of us could be overwhelmed in a minute. We can't hold, I don't believe, the full extent of the suffering of the world. And so we learn through the compassion practice just to open to it a little bit at a time, say in one individual at a time, and then it becomes more more manageable, more bearable. And this uh, tendency to be overwhelmed, or sometimes we call it tipping into grief for the world or for ourselves, is the far enemy. And the only thing that can support us in staying with compassion is equanimity. Equanimity is the fourth of the Brahma Viharas. And if it doesn't grow up alongside metta and compassion, then metta tips over into attaching, affection with attachment, and compassion tips over into grief. So sometimes, you know, people may feel, oh, you should be opening to all the suffering in the world or you're not a caring person. But I don't think that's quite a good instruction. I think we should open to the suffering in the world to the extent to which we can keep some inner balance. Because if we're crushed by the suffering of the world, we can't be helpful. We can't be helpful to others. If we don't open to the suffering of the world, then we're... uh, acting out all those defense mechanisms and we're closing ourselves off and we're, we're being uh, indifferent. But if we open too much and we get uh, crushed by the suffering, we can't be useful for people. We can't be useful for ourselves. <laughs> so we have to open just the right amount. And the compassion practice stretches our ability to open The Vipassana practice also stretches our ability to open. Do you find yourself being accepting of things that you couldn't at the beginning of the retreat? Pain in the back, shoulder pain, knee pain, a hindrance. Do you find you're able to be okay with it now that you couldn't two weeks ago? This is also the opening of equanimity to unpleasant, painful experience. So both Vipassana and the Brahma Viharas play a role in giving us the strength to open to what is difficult. So little by little, we expand our ability to be with what is suffering in the world. So we want to keep doing that, and we also want to recognize, especially in the retreat, 
where our limit is. So if some aspect of suffering feels too much, we want to find a way to make our focus smaller and open to the extent we can stay in balance. So this word balance is a really important word in our meditation practice. It is in life, and we learn about it here. And I would say maybe most important instruction as you go through the days of this long retreat, keep yourself in balance. If you find yourself getting discouraged or overwhelmed by your own hindrances, find a way to open up and take a break. Do what you need to do to come back into a balance where you can relate, where you feel some uh, courage, where you feel some possibility, where you feel, again, some inspiration, uh, willingness. Because if we lose that inner balance, our practice can go adrift for a while. So stay in touch with this. We're here because we're willing to open. All of you have done incredible work so far in this willingness to open. So keep your heart Keep your heart prepared for that. Keep it tender and engaged. So it may be you need to take a cup of tea. It may be you need to take a walk. Maybe you need to rest and miss a sitting or a walking to come back into balance so that you can face again the work with balance. Compassion practice is the same way. If you feel overwhelmed, make the focus a little more narrow so that you can hold the suffering, or go back to metta. I'll mention this again as we're doing the compassion. Go back to the easiest place you know of in the Brahma Viharas. Go to loving kindness for yourself, a benefactor, or a friend. Do what is necessary to stay in balance. And this will help you open and it will help the world when you return to it. Okay. So today we're going to take up two new individuals. Well, they're familiar individuals, but we'll work with them with compassion. I think Sally yesterday did the suffering person and yourself. Is that right? So today we'll bring in our good old uh, benefactor and our good friend and invite them into the compassion practice as well. But we'll move through all four of these uh, individuals today. So please sit comfortably. Get in touch with yourself through your sitting posture, relaxed attitude. Coming into your heart center. Having a sense of warmth, brightness around the heart center. And first bringing to mind the person that you chose yesterday to be the suffering person. 
someone in your circle of acquaintances who may be going through some difficulties. And hopefully not such strong difficulties that you feel overwhelmed by looking at the person. But bring the person to mind. Remember your connection to them. Friendly relationship to them and your care. You've seen them in times of happiness and enjoyment. And you've seen them in times of struggle and challenges. So let yourself focus on the difficult aspects of their life that you know of right now. could be a few areas of difficulty. You can let each one come to mind. You might look over their areas of mental and physical well-being, their work and family and friends life. to see where the challenges might be. So as you hold them and let yourself feel their difficulties, notice if there's any resistance to feeling that. Notice if there's an attempt to avoid or defend Letting that suffering touch you. So rather than thinking too much about how to fix it or how to assign responsibility, just feeling the suffering. And then sending toward this person your phrase for compassion. Something like, may you be free from your pain and sorrow. Or I care about your pain and sorrow. Or may you hold your suffering with compassion. If there's a particular difficulty, you can replace pain or sorrow by that difficulty. It could be their illness or their loss 
their unhappiness, their grief. You can use one of those words if it makes it more specific for you. And then when you're ready, moving on to yourself. Letting go of the suffering individual and connecting again with yourself as you sit here. Perhaps connecting with an image of yourself. And as you connect, Let your reflection bring to light the areas that are difficult for you now. It might be things that are presenting themselves here in the retreat. It might be situations in daily life, in relationships, in your work.
could be health concerns, aging concerns, Reflecting as you connect with the areas of difficulty that suffering is an integral part of life. It's not that suffering is a mistake. That suffering is to be understood. This is how we learn to be free. And so in touch with the suffering, allowing ourselves just to feel it, to feel the pain of it. not to blame ourselves. Not to judge ourselves. But feel it. And then repeating your compassion phrase toward yourself. May I hold this pain with compassion. May I be free from this pain and sorrow. I care about my suffering. So continuing to repeat the compassion phrase for yourself, staying in touch with what's difficult for you.
If it feels like the contact with the pain is too much, turn to loving kindness. Focus on your good qualities, bring metta to yourself, or bring in someone who uplifts you, a benefactor or friend. When you feel balanced again, you can return to compassion for yourself. If any blaming comes in, include that with the compassion. Hold that with compassion. And when you're ready, then letting go of the connection to self and bringing in your benefactor. Bringing an image of your benefactor or saying their name, getting in touch with their character, their being. Remembering your connection to them, your care for them, their goodness. 
And then bringing to mind what you know of the difficulties in their life. Every human being has some difficulties. Sometimes benefactors are happy people and it's hard to find the suffering. But there is always some. Either in health, work, family and friends. So connecting with the suffering of your benefactor, whether it's large or small, and sending your compassion phrase to them. May you be free from your suffering. If it feels like the connection to your benefactor is weak, then call them up again. Feel their presence more strongly. Remind yourself of the difficulties, the suffering they're in.
And then if you're ready, letting go of the benefactor and bring in your good friend. So invite your friend in. Get a good sense of them. Image, imagining them where they are right now. (coughs) Remembering times you've been together. And let yourself get touched by the feeling you have for them. Friendship and care, appreciation for their good qualities. And because you probably know your friend fairly well, you can look into their life in some, with some knowledge, some detail You can look at their physical health, their emotional well-being, the tug of partners, children, parents, and friends. And their work life. Satisfaction and also the challenges in their work. So as you connect with the pain in your friend's life, just let your heart feel that and send your compassion phrase to them. If it appeals to you, you could try this four-part phrasing that I mentioned a while ago. Calling up the image, noticing what you feel, saying the phrase, and coming into the heart center to feel the response of it, where you might know the compassion 
in the body. If at any time your friend's pain seems a little too hard to bear, just return to metta for yourself or a benefactor. Let the mind come back into balance.
And for the last minutes of the sitting, just letting the compassion extend to all beings. Recognizing that every being that takes birth is going to face struggle, difficulty, and pain. It's part of life, part of existence. And so recognizing our, our unity with all living beings that we share in this vulnerability to suffering and wish for happiness. So extending the compassion in an unbounded way, may all beings everywhere be free from suffering. May all beings hold their pain and sorrow with a compassionate heart. May all beings find peace and ease and acceptance. So I just want to say a couple more things about uh, the quality of compassion. It's not a state of suffering. When it tips into the near enemy of grief, it becomes a state of suffering, but it's not itself a state of suffering. If you look at the beautiful statue of Kuan Yin on the back altar, Kuan Yin is the bodhisattva of compassion. Take a look at her face as you go out Kuan Yin is said to hear the 10,000 cries of joy and the 10,000 cries of sorrow in the world. She's listening all the time and hears that. But she has a deep inner balance that lets her hold it with compassion. So if you find compassion becoming a place of suffering, then maybe adjust, go back to metta for a little bit. See how much you can hold with balance. But compassion is a sober kind of state. Like metta can get really happy, right? You feel sometimes you can get almost exuberant practicing metta because you're focusing on well-being and the potential for welfare. With compassion, because we're looking at suffering, it's a sober kind of experience and there can be tinge of sadness in it. That's okay. It's okay if compassion has a little bit of sadness. One of my teachers said it's like being up on a hill and watching the sunset. You know, the day is coming to a close. It's been a beautiful day. The sun is setting. You know that day is ending. A little tinge of sadness in that. But there's also a beauty. So look in compassion for the quality of beauty. It's the care that you, you have that makes the beauty. And the suffering adds this tone of sadness but it's okay. 
It's okay. Because when we're able to be with suffering in the world without needing to move away from it or to try to fix it or make it go away, it's a gift that not everyone gets to enjoy. So if you can take that back into the world, it's a real gift for your own friends, family, people you come in contact with, students, etc. Okay.